Genre. We solemnly swear we're up to no good. back everybody to Harry Potter Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. I'm Adria Laguna. And we have Crystal Beth with us with us once more. Now, see, now I'm storing over all my words. Uh, we have Crystal <laughs> Beth with us again. Thank you for coming back, Crystal. <laughs> Yay, I brought with you my excited, I mean, I brought to you my excited stutter. <laughs> just, just all this, like, too much energy and I can't get it out and, uh, <laughs> today, today we're talking about minute 98 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, minute 98 starts with Hedwig taking to the skies, and it ends with Hermione chastising the boys about reading. Um, I think the first, like, half of this minute, actually the, the, the latter half of the last minute and the first half of this minute, is all Harry and Hedwig in the snow. Yes. Which I had uh, one note from last week, but I was like, I'll talk about it today because it fit. I mean, from uh, yesterday, but I was like, this will fit. Where the transition from the mirror to Harry in the snow with the owl Mm. is one of the funniest things to me ever. Because it's not needed. It's just like Harry walking through the snow with Hedwig. And I know Hedwig flies up into the air we watch him fly around for a while, but it literally could just go from snow to spring and we would understand yeah. what happened. It was just this like minute and a half of like kid in snow. Mm-hmm. It always makes me uh, laugh every time. It's, I think it's really strange because we get this, um, when Hedwig takes off, off of, of Harry's arm, um, kind of flying in the snowy background. She she flies against the backdrop of the school, but then she sort of like fades off into the sky. The camera pans up and it's like really bright and white. And then it cuts to as if like a, a time has passed, cuts to another shot of the sky. And then we see Hedwig again <laughs> still flying yes. over Hogwarts. This time she's like <laughs> by by the Quidditch pitch, but it's like it's like a cut from sky to sky and it's really weird. Um, I don't, I, I understand why they do it. It's like, okay, the Christmas vacation is over and now it, so it makes sense when like in the next scene we see Hermione's back, like the holiday is over. Um, but it's, it is a weird transition. Yeah. All you have to do is switch from winter robes to regular summer robes. It's very easy yeah. to do as, but I think that they were like, ooh, oh, let's, let's make the owl fly. We can get some really good CG Let's do yeah, won't CG. this won't this look so pretty? Uh, the I had a note. Um, the location, the set that they're on when um, when Harry lets Hedwig kind of go flying, they are in the cloisters of the Durham Cathedral. Oh, uh, yeah. It says that. Uh, the nave of Durham Cathedral is also also became the Palace of Whitehall in 
in the movie Elizabeth with Kate Blanchett. Oh. <laughs> um, I think we've seen this, this kind of little, this, uh, location of the set a couple times, like whenever the students are sort of like walking through, I, I kind of want to refer to it as like the quad. Um, but, uh, between classes, this kind of big open stone space. I like it a lot. It's very pretty. I like a lot of the locations they shoot on. I really, I'm a fan of like castles and stone and like, there's something sort of medieval about it. Too. That's oh, great. Oh, I'm going to Germany in uh, September, and oh, all I'm excited about doing is seeing a castle. I'm like, uh, I just want to see a castle. It's gonna be so cool. Gotta take lots of pictures. Send, share your castle pictures with us. <laughs> I will. I'll be like, this could be Harry Potter. It's not, but it could be. It could be. You wouldn't know. Uh, <laughs> that just made me sad. You're right. I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I wouldn't either. So that's okay. Ugh. So then we, we cut Earth, into... I was jealous. Sorry, sorry. No, go I ahead. Just very jealous about people getting their letters to Hogwarts still. <laughs> I still want one. I uh, I made one for my little sister when she turned 11. Aww. Because uh, there's like a... There, she's like eight years younger than I am. And so I made her a Hogwarts letter. And then for like... The rest of the year, she kept, like, believe not believing, but, like, play-acting that she was a witch and she was going to go to Hogwarts and that it was this whole thing and everyone else in the house were just, like, muggles that she was better than. And it became this whole, like, kind of... I think my little sister would be a Slytherin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, just say that, right? Yeah. I think that's where I was going with that. She's being kind of cocky. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no, I think it's interesting that, that the idea has become that, like, you're supposed to receive your Hogwarts letter when you turn 11 but the only reason that happens for harry is because he wasn't allowed to get his letters like the nurses yeah, weren't yeah. letting him have his letters so it's just a coincidence it's <laughs> on his birthday um but it's become that's sort of like become the thing it's like when you turn 11 you can either become a pokemon trainer or you can go to hogwarts, <laughs> you <can> go to <laughs> hogwarts. <laughs> if that was the option victoria well, that's the only thing I could think of that also starts at when 11. you're 11. Because in the very, like, in the, an yeah. in the anime, like, Ash is 11. 11 years when old. When he goes off and starts his adventures. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any other, like... So there's only those two things that come 11 to 11-year-old momentous yeah. occasion. So those are your choices. Hogwarts or Hogwarts Pokemon or Trainer. Pokemon Trainer. Okay, okay, Victoria. Hogwarts or Pokemon Trainer. Oh, you're going to ask me? Oh, yeah. that's kind of tough. If I go to Hogwarts, does that mean I'm still in the world that Pokemon exists? Uh, are, are Pokemon magical creatures? Are they like Fantastic Beasts? They kind of are, right? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Uh, <laughs> can you? Can you? Yeah, I guess Newt's Commanders. Newt's Commanders. Uh, I'd rather have magic suitcase. Exist, so I think I would pick. I'd have to still pick. Hogwarts. Oh yeah, me too. I would pick Hogwarts for sure. Yeah. Newt's Commanders yeah. case is like a Pokeball. A Pokeball. It's. You know, bigger it's, on the it's big, it's bigger, and there's a, an environment in there <laughs> yeah. for them to for the be able to, to live. live. In. Mm -hmm. So there you go. He's the best Pokemon. Trainer. <laughs> he'd be, he he'd be a professor. Uh, 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 Newt's commander can catch them all. He can catch them all. He'll catch them all. He, he'd be a great picking be a between great the two. Best hard it was. I would love to be a Pokemon trainer. Mm -hmm. So many cute. But I, I gotta go to Hogwarts. Yeah. But also, uh, mutants and X-Men. They, they kind of get their powers at all ages, so that was, there's 11 yeah, year olds I, that get it too. 
I always sort of assumed that mutants getting their powers was kind of like like a puberty thing. I mean, or that's a traumatic event. Yes, it's like yeah. Jean Grey. Yeah, yeah Jean Grey's kicked in. Yeah, because right, a, she gets hit by a car. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, so Much, there's a, there's a whole bunch, cool. but that's an entirely different lore. Yeah, as cool as it would be to be a mutant, I don't know if I'd want to. It's kind of a that's not that it's a. I would not. Choose I, I don't wouldn't choose to be it just no. because they go through all that discrimination. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I want to be all up in all that. Yeah, the brotherhood. I agree. When everything. you're a when you're a wizard, you can go to your magical places that get sealed off with magic. When you're an X-Men, you're just, you either hide all of your powers or everyone knows. Yeah. yeah. That's hard. It's too much work. Yeah, it is too much work. That's <laughs> too much work. I'd rather just have a wand and solve my problems with the with swish magic. and flick. Swish, swish and flick. I love it. Swish and flick. Mm-hmm. So we cut to the library. We're in the library, you guys. Hermione's back. And... She has this massive tome with her. <laughs> tome. Uh, I, Hermione, Hermione comes back to the table with, with this book and she says that she's been looking in the wrong section and how could she be, how could I be so stupid? Um, but like, we don't get any impression of what it is that like kind of tipped her off. Like they've been spending what feels like months now researching the, the, the Sorcerer's Stone and uh, only now has she figured out that, oh, she's already got the book that contains the information that she needs. Mm-hmm. Um, in the book, we've heard the name Nicholas Flamel already, and it didn't have, like, pre-Hagrid kind of spilling the beans earlier. Um, we hear Nicholas's name when they're on the train because of the chocolate frog cards. And so in the book, uh, it's Harry who figures out who Nicholas Flamel is, um, after Christmas because he gets another batch of, of, uh, chocolate frog cards and finds the Dumbledore card that says that he's friends with Nicholas Flamel. And so it's that's what actually memory. tips, that's what actually tips Hermione off. And she's like, oh, uh, we've been in the book, they're looking through all these, all these like greatest wizard achievements in modern time and 21st century. What, like, they're looking for, like, present achievements, like, people... When he's, like, from... When he's 600-something years. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why they're not finding any right. information, because they're looking at the wrong time period completely. He's an old man. Very old man. Uh, not as old as Yoda, but still old. He's, 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 he's pretty... He's getting up there. Um, I am sad that we don't actually get to see Nicholas Flamel at any point in the series. No, not at all. I like I like Nicholas Flamel a lot. Not even a painting or yeah, picture. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Victoria on this. Nothing. Um, Nothing. on on Fifth Element, you uh, you like reading things that uh, appear on different screens and things in the in the movie. Um, yes, which I really enjoy listening to you do. It makes me very happy. Over here, oh, thank you. I've been reading anytime we see like like a paper on screen with text. I read the daily prophet paper when we saw it earlier. Uh, I wrote down, nice. I wrote down, um, what the page of the book Hermione turns to says. And great. It, it falls across two minutes and she actually reads the whole line. I think she reads the whole bit, 
but I really like the text on the page. It's this really kind of beautiful calligraphy. Um, and it says, Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The Philosopher's Stone is a legendary substance with astonishing powers. It will transform any metal into pure gold and produces the elixir of life, which will make the drinker immortal. Um, I like right here when Ron goes immortal and she's like, that yeah. means that means you live forever. And he's like, I know what it means. I know what it means. <laughs> he's so, so you gotta indignant. Make sure. you gotta make sure. You never know. Yeah, you never know. You never know with Ron. <laughs> no, no. The only stone currently in existence belongs to Mr. Nicholas Flamel, the noted alchemist who last year celebrated his 665th birthday. This book was... Oh, I don't know how old this book she has is. Right. Uh... I, I think it's interesting that the book itself says that last year he celebrated his 600... Like, the year before this book was published, he turned yeah. 665. Who knows how old he is in. now? Yeah. yeah. Um, right. I wonder if they have a magic... Uh, like, if this was written by wizards about wizards for wizards, if it's maybe, like, coding, like how you could do computer code where the date will change when you need it to change. I wonder if they have a spell that uh, if they write a date on a certain page in a certain book in a certain year, the ink knows to change as each year goes by. Hmm. You know, I was, I was kind of thinking about that as I was taking my notes and I don't, I don't see why not. I feel like in the magic, I feel like anything is possible theoretically. It, it's, in- it's like with textbooks, like wouldn't it be really handy instead of making another edition of a textbook? Print a new edition like every time. Print just, yeah. Like just it magically. Is, there's changes. like a, did we talk about this already? There, there could be like a master copy somewhere. Yeah. Someone changed, like revises the master copy and it like changes it auto copies. edits everything else. That'd be wonderful. That would be wonderful. That would be amazing. <laughs> I, I don't, I feel like that came up at some point in the past on the show. Yes. I don't remember when or why. Yeah. I don't know. We've done a lot of minutes, you guys. <laughs> yeah, you have. Um, Bef- uh, when Hermione comes to the table, I skipped it because I wanted to read the page, but when Hermione comes and sets the book down, she says that she checked this book out uh, a couple of weeks ago for some light reading, and then she drops this book on the table, and, and it is the heaviest. Oh, <laughs> the impact is amazing. And then Ron goes, this is light? And, and her glare. <laughs> she gives him this glare like, it is like, shut up. So good. It is so I wrote in my notes, glare. such tood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, like, them as a married couple, that glare is uh-huh. like, oh, dang it. Like, like oh, you know you screwed up. Like, you're in trouble. <laughs> in the doghouse. Yeah, but I'm sleeping on the couch. Aw, Ron. Uh, He's gonna know that look well. Oh, sure. <laughs> oh, sure. Uh, I really, I really dig it. I like sassy Hermione. I love that look. Me too. I, um... The, the digital copy that we've been following along on when, uh, when actually doing the minutes is a UK edition. So it's Philosopher's Stone in the book. And, um, she reads it as Philosopher's Stone. They recorded this twice for the two different editions, literally just for the difference in word, philosopher and sorcerer. I too have the British version of the movie. Nice. Yeah, I we caught that. I didn't notice until um 
until we started doing this minute by minute and the title card happened in the first week at the end of the first week. And I was like, Oh, philosopher's stone. Like didn't even realize. Doesn't it make you feel fancy though? It does. It I does. felt real fancy when I realized I, uh, I went to this little, uh, used bookstore recently and I found a hardcover copy of Harry Potter and the philosopher's stone. And I had to buy it. Uh, yeah, you did. I had to. Um, I'm very, it's, one of my favorite things that I have right now. I, uh, even the, even the text, not only do they re-record this so that she says Sorcerer's Stone versus Philosopher's Stone, but when you see the text on the page in the two different editions, the text on the page is different. Just the word Sorcerer for Philosopher. Uh, and I, I, they must have, I don't think that they rewrote this twice. It looks like they sort of, like, went in and just digitally, like, put the new word on top of it's the old digital one. digital whiteout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels like <laughs> that. Digital whiteout. <laughs> changed it. Just changed it, just to make it look, uh, I really do love the, like, text on the page. Um, I think it looks really beautiful. I like the parchment that it's printed I- on. Um, the, uh, the graphic designer, um, who's responsible for all of the, like, the letters and pamphlets and, like, um, all those sort of design things, the Marauders map later on. Her name is Mirafora Mina. And, uh, we've talked about her before, but she, um, I think that, I think that all of the, uh, kind of text that we see in, like, places like this is always really beautiful. I think it's cool. I like it. Yeah, I, I think it's really cool too. I also really like on the pages of the book, um, the the little rectangles of color that are on it. It looks like a scrapbook almost. Yeah, I was wondering if they were supposed to represent something, and I don't know what they're for. But yeah, yeah I was trying to read it too. Is... I couldn't couldn't pick anything up specifically, but uh, I think it just looks good. It, it gives it a well. The whole thing with Harry Potter is that it's a beautiful. The everything's beautiful about it, but it's not perfect. Everything's a little haphazardly put together. Yeah. Like like wizards and witches are all scatterbrained almost. That's what it looks like where they're like, uh, we need to write this tome, but uh let's just do a scrapbook too. We're gonna post we're gonna paste these things in. It just, just looks good. Yeah, because then the pages won't even be flat because it has like something else physical that's like attached to the page. It looks like those little those little rectangle pieces look like they're like sewn into the paper. Um, which it does. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Does that mean that it's visible? Like those stitches would be visible on the other side. The, the, the idea of, I don't know, the, the book looks really thick, but it doesn't actually look particularly long. Like it doesn't look like it's, it's not like hundreds of pages. It's just, it's got a lot of things like this that are like ingrained within the page, the paper as well. It's weird. Yes, I, I like it. I wish I could do art like that, like uh, something that's beautiful and cluttered. If I try to do that, it just looks cluttered. Yes, yes, yeah. I um, uh, Miraformina. She's gone on to do annotated copies of um, like classic literature stories. So we at the bookstore that I work at, we carry um a Peter Pan. Uh, Beauty and the Beast and an Alice in Wonderland that are annotated, 
um, by her and her, her like Ooh. working partner. And they are all very beautiful. And they have these, um, they have pages that fold out so that they have different flyers and things that are added to it. Like, um, it's, it's really, it's really detailed. And, uh, and I find it fascinating. That's great. And those are books you said? Yeah. Those are, those are books that, uh, that we carry. Um, they're, uh, the company or the, the name that it's under is like, Mina Lima, because it's Mirafora Mina and Edward Lima, uh, Eduardo Lima, I think is his name. It's okay. It's like a partner working on them. Um, and so the two of them have been like putting out a couple of these like annotated books. I think there's only the three of them so far. And then I have a Harry Potter, like behind the scenes, like uh, film wizardry book that is also um, full of stuff of hers too. So it's got like, um, different pamphlets that pull out. So it's got some of the, like the orders that Umbridge puts up and it's got a copy of the map and it's got like things like flyers um, for different moments in the movies, which I think are really great. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah. I love books. I would just surround myself with them if I could. Me too. You should see just like the piles of stuff that I have around my apartment. It's not healthy. <laughs> it's very cluttered. That's awesome. We had to, uh, because we have so many books and so many comic books and so little space in our tiny New York apartment (laughs) that we had to put our bookshelves up along the top of our ceiling. Wow. So we have books that just circle the top of our uh, apartment and then a couple shelves underneath them that are raised up off the ground, like at uh, chest, neck and chest height. I kind of like that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. We made them ourselves. I really like them too. I'll send you a picture. Do it. I'm into it. Um, okay. So I have a little bit about Nicholas Flamel that I wanted to, uh, I want to talk about one of the things that I really, really like about, um, this first movie in particular, or this first book in particular is that whenever, whenever Joe Rowling talks about that, there's a lot of references that, to, that are made to quote unquote, like famous witches or wizards, like these people that are part of the magical world, but they're figures that she pulls from, actual European, like, history or whatever. You have, like, people like Nicholas Flamel, who's regarded as, like, an alchemist, who's a name that it, that's not... She didn't invent him for the story. He already existed, and she, like, uses him in the story. There's a couple examples we talked about back when we got the wizard... Uh, the wizarding um, cards from... from the Chocolate Frogs earlier in the movie, but Nicholas Flamel uh, was a scribe and a bookseller in France in the 1300s. Wikipedia says that he was born circa 1330, but we don't know, like, the exact year. And uh, he was known for, uh, they were known, he and his wife, Paranel, were known for being, um, for being very wealthy, but also being very philanthropic. Like, they gave a lot of their money to different orphanages and things like that. No one really knows where, where his wealth came from. I don't think that being a bookseller is particularly a uh, profitable position. But the story goes that Nicholas Flamel, when he was still uh, working just like a cart on the street in like selling books in France, in Paris, that someone someone sold him a book. And it was this very curious thing. It was only like 20 something pages long, but it contained it, it seemed like uh, instructions to to create things. It was written in multiple languages. Some of it was in Hebrew and some of it was in Arabic and some of it was in Greek. And um, he spent 
years trying to decipher the contents of this book um, to the point that he traveled to he traveled to Spain looking for someone who could who could help him translate the Arabic of it. And uh, on his way back from Spain, it said that he met with a man, a sage, who claimed that he this book that he's researching, this book that he's been spending all of his time like working on, is a copy of uh, uh, an old alchemical text known as the Book of Abremelin the Mage. And it is said that from this book, he learned to create the Philosopher's Stone, um, using it to transfer wow. metal into gold in order to amass his wealth and like build a house for him and his wife and like donate to these orphanages and things like that. Uh, and it's also stated that, or, or believed that he used it to create the elixir of life. So in the 1400s in 14, uh, I think it's in the, in the, in the teens, the 14 teens, um, his wife passed away a couple years before he did. His wife passes away. He, this is he kind of pulls away. I'm so interested I, in this. I love Nibble Smell so much. I've done so much research on him, like outside of doing the podcast, because the the idea of the quest for immortality is this really classic kind of kind of trope in stories. But I love when stuff like this intersects with the real world because because. You can, there are documents about Nicholas Flamel. He was a real person. You can visit his house in France. Um, there are streets that are named for him and his wife. Uh, the, the story goes when his wife died that he kind of became a recluse. He pulled away from everybody and, and he buried his wife. And then a couple years later, he died. And, um, people believed at this point that he had been in possession of this, the philosopher's stone that he had created this thing to amass his wealth. And that's why they were, uh, they had this beautiful house and they were so rich and well-known across the city. And so people went looking for the stone. They ransacked his house. They didn't find anything. The story goes that he, they dug up their graves thinking maybe he took it to the grave with him and the graves were empty. Wow. That's so cool. So that's where the idea that like, they faked their deaths and they're still living to this day, kind of uh, this hush-hush life, um, just living from the elixir and uh, using the the transitional properties in order to keep them uh, keep them wealthy enough to to keep going, which I love. I think it's so cool. That's that is really <sighs> freaking cool. I I've been. Oh. I'm such a fan of like Nicholas Flamel's stories. Uh, it seems that even according like. According to the Wikipedia article, um, it seems that evidence of Flamel being like believed as an alchemist didn't actually start until a couple hundred years after his death. But then there are different stories and accounts of people in the 17 and 1800s believing that they met him, that they that they met Flamel and his wife, and that they're still living and kind of uh, not passing on their knowledge, but sort of uh, making the best of their their immortality. And then in some of Isaac Newton's writings, because he was into alchemy, he references he references Flamel as well. Wow! Right? That's so cool. I think it's I think it's awesome. I didn't want to interrupt while you were telling the story, yeah. but I wanted you to know that I was like staring into my microphone, <laughs> like what is next? But I was like, you can't tell that I'm that into this story. Yeah. No, I. Uh, there's there's a couple different places online that tell like more detailed accounts of this like him finding the book um and and things like that but i i don't know 
when I when I was a kid, kind of reading about this stuff for the first time, I I wanted to go like find this source of immortality. Like if I could if I could if I could create the philosopher's stone and just like use it to like fund myself and travel and just kind of live. Like oh my god, of course I would do that. I think it'd wow. be wow. Yeah, I think it'd be cool. I don't know. I like Nicholas. Well, Fulton, that was nice. <laughs> Yeah, I could tell. This is good. I'm very happy to be here for this minute, even though I would have heard the story if I wasn't here, but I'm glad that I'm here. Well, we're glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Crystal. <laughs> of course. Of course. Okay. I like seeing kids in libraries. Oh, <laughs> no, I, um, I like, uh, when Hermione's reading this bit out of the book about the Philosopher's Stone, both Harry and Ron are like, the Philosopher's Stone, and she's like, honestly, don't you two read? And I love it. She's so sassy. <laughs> yeah, she's good. Uh, I think, I think that's the end of the minute when she asks them if they read. Yeah. Yes, that's all I have. That's the last cool. thing I have written down as well. Awesome. Okay, I exhausted my notes, I think. How are you, how are you guys feeling? Great. Shall we, shall we, shall we wrap this one up? I think, I think we can move on to minute 99. 99, you guys. 99. You guys. Ballers. Right? Look how far we are into this. It's amazing. It feels like we just, I feel like we just started not that long ago. It's been 99 problems, but a witch ain't one. Oh my god, Victoria. <laughs> I had to. Uh -huh. I'm sorry. I'm that sorry. was good. Sorry. High five. <laughs> you said that so deadpan. I was like, what are you doing right now? Right? I almost missed it. I was looking at my notes no for the next notice. minute. And then people will it'll go by and we'll be like, so wait a minute. Funny. Did she just say that? Like, yeah, there, there are things. Yes, there, sometimes, you, sometimes you mutter. And then I'll be like editing later <laughs> after the conversation and just like laughing so hard you'll, at something you'll, you said you'll that notice I missed. something I said that uh. no one else noticed at the time uh because I said it under my breath and so didn't funny. necessarily mean for anyone to listen to uh, it. It was great. I always I feel like I'm always forgetting that I'm being recorded and yeah. just exactly <laughs> how much of it can be picked up. Mm -hmm. And I do tend to talk a lot under my breath and I do mutter a lot. Uh and I've done that all always. Uh, gotten me in trouble in the past, and <laughs> but now <laughs> the problem so is it being funny. recorded and you editing. Now you just you send, I, get, I, I get messages every once in a while that's like, oh my god, Victoria, you I can't said the you funniest said thing. <laughs> I'm just like, what? I don't remember what you're talking about. And I and I never rem I never I never know what he's talking about. <gasps> Fine. Yeah, that's that happens with guests too. I'll you know you're. And your gears are going, you're listening, and you're like, you think you're listening good or well, and then I'll be editing, and I'll hear something really funny that my guest said, but I talk over what they say, <sighs> and while I'm editing, I will full-on silence my voice so you can hear what they say. Mm -hmm. I just take my voice right out, and I'll like add in a laugh if I have to, but I'm, I don't usually have to, because usually it's... It's usually already there because I hear them afterwards, but I will take out anything I say that covers up a guest's hilarious thing because I hate that I miss it. Yeah, absolutely. Editing can be Ugh. a thing of wonder sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That was everything I had for minute 98. Um, Crystal, why don't you, why don't you let everyone know where to find you? 
Sure thing. You can follow me on Twitter or any social media at the Crystal Beth, and you can listen to my minute podcast about the fifth element called The Fifth Element on iTunes. And I also have a video game podcast called Unlimited Lives Radio that is also on iTunes. And we also stream that live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Unlimited Lives Radio every Thursday at six. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, I love that you're at the Crystal Beth. Um, yeah, I, I, I very deliberately, my, my Twitter handle is the Gary Roby, but I, I did that cause I'm a junior and I, my dad also has Twitter and I was like, no, I, I don't want to be Gary Roby junior. That's weird. So I'm the Gary Roby. No, you are <laughs> the Exactly. I'm, I'm, yeah. Make no confusion. If people are listening to this podcast, I'm the one they're looking for, not my dad. <laughs> I'm not sure what, what they'd be getting if they found your dad. I don't like, wait, why is he tweeting about whatever he's tweeting? Whatever. About. Yeah. My what dad does, doesn't tweet. What does your dad often. tweet about? Wait a minute. I'm surprised. My dad, dad has, um, I guess I could plug my dad's stuff on the, my dad right? has, yeah, he's, uh, he's an interesting guy. Right? Yeah. My, my dad has a, um, Christian like merch store called oh, okay. Missing Peace Cafe that oh. he's got like a Twitter account that he uses. I don't know if he's got like a personal account of his own name or not. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know if you did at Gary Roby if it would be my dad. That'd be weird. I've never looked, actually. I don't know. There you go. If you want some Christian merch. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Go check go that find out. Gary's Why? dad. Yeah, go go find my dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So tell, tell him Gary sent you. <laughs> what are you do? stop that? What are you doing? <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this. Uh okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, alright. If you guys, if you guys, uh, breaking, haven't gotten enough of Victoria and I, we do a weekend edition on Patreon called The Quibbler. Uh, that's Harry Potter Minute on Patreon. We do The Quibbler every weekend, and then we have a couple other shows that we've been, uh, kind of doing sporadically. Um, right. Yeah. I Nerd That, which is one where we, uh, kind of talk about the things that we've been watching and reading, and we started a new segment where we're introducing each other to movies that we've never seen. So last week, Victoria introduced me to, uh, I'd never seen Fight Club before, so I watched Fight Club for the first time, start to finish. I think, that was fun. I think Gary's going to make me watch Spy Kids. I think I am going to make you watch Spy Kids. As you can tell, I'm so enthused. It's so good. It came out the same year that this movie did. Come on, Victoria. But oh, Did it really? Yeah, they but, both came out in 2001. But, but oh, what a difference. Oh, sure. Yeah, what a difference. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, can't, I did not even realize that. I love Spy Kids. But that I, does not seem like even the same decade. <laughs> yeah, really they're doesn't. very different. This like, I'm pretty sure. Minute. I'm pretty sure. I could be totally wrong about that, but I think I looked this up the other day when we talked That's about hilarious. it. Yeah, and scary. So if you guys want to hear that, go uh, go check us out on Patreon. All right, and join us tomorrow, yeah, 2001, for minute 99. Mischief, Mischief managed. managed.